0: Welcome to the Salted Podcast, where we are translating and transforming our view of politics, pop culture, and personal preference. In this episode, we discuss consumerism, killing Christmas. Have we embraced materialism too much as Christians, and how do we salt the earth during our holiday seasons? Let's get salty. Welcome to the Salted Podcast. My name is Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. My name's Yon. <laughs> well, who are you? <laughs> this is Dan. We're off to a banging start. And if you haven't already noticed, it's the Christmas season around here. And you might be listening to this in June or July. If you are, you must really love Christmas. Uh, because you listen to it in the middle of the summer. Uh, but for now, right now we are talking about Christmas and we're talking about consumerism. The C word has consumerism killed Christmas. Yeah. And maybe
1: for, for Christmas it, or maybe
0: for Christians, you Christmas is just sanctified materialism. Ooh, sanctified materialism. Is that what it is? We don't know. That's what we're going to answer. We're going to talk about that. And then you're going to hear about the best way to receive a gift and our personal preferences at the end. Right. Ironically. Yeah. We're going to tell you the gift. best way to embrace your consumerism <laughs> yeah. and sanctified materialism <laughs> exactly. uh, at the very end. It's so Brilliant. Who's look, producing this show, for goodness sake? We know our audience. We know who's out there listening. That's right. um, specifically, we also know that on Spotify, some people who listen to our podcasts are also listening to... Some like 90s bands like, um, <laughs> I forget their names, but like Soundgarden or something like that. Or, yeah. yeah. So you're, if you're listening to us on Spotify, we, we know, know what old, else you're listening to. Yeah, now, we so. know how old you are. Yes, how old you are, exactly. So uh, consumerism, if you've heard that word before, um, I would say generally speaking, it's a negative connotation, especially in the church world. We talk about consumerism a lot and has... Uh, American consumerism um, killed Christmas, and has it kind of replaced the beauty and celebration of what is the most pivotal, pivotal, pivotal moment in human history of God becoming man? Um, and has it been replaced by giving gifts and buying stuff and getting a whole bunch of things that we don't necessarily need? Yeah, that's a good, good setup, Yon. And so. What is consumerism? We have, I mean, if we've heard that term before, here's a, here's a, here's a quick little definition for you so you can actually know what we're talking about. And we'll talk about, we'll go on to talk a little bit about kind of what it is, what it looks like, kind of where our, where our commercialization and consumerism roots came from. So we maybe don't bash ourselves too much in this day and age, but then also kind of look obviously into kind of how we spend our money. And then you can tell us how to fix everything at the end as usual. So so consumerism is the obsession with acquisition that has become the organizing principle of American life. That was one definition that we found. So an obsession with acquisition. Um, which is uh, a great three sentence or three word way to, to do it. And this is not to be uh, confused with a political statement about capitalism. Right. Um, because capitalism is just a um, producing and again, yeah, an economic framework. Right. Um, and it's not necessarily capitalism's fault, uh, but it's also not consumption in yeah. that we, we are all consuming something. We all have to consume something. Oh, good point. Um, so it's not this, uh, it's obsession. not condemning uh, natural consumption, right? Correct. Yes, yeah. exactly. We all have to heat our homes and drive cars. And, right. and okay. so, uh, consumption is not necessarily equivalent with consumerism.
1: Interesting in your definition there, you know, and one of the phrases that kind of catches me is that that obsession with acquisition becomes the organizing principle around which American life is built. That is fascinating.
0: <laughs> Yeah, right. If, right. The organizing principle. I mean, that's a uh, right. We're talking schedule. about worldviews on here. Like, right. that's essentially the worldview by which everyone right. is looking through. Right? The way you schedule your yeah. life, the way you um, prioritize your life, right? Yep. I mean, yep. So, an obsession with a- acquisition that our whole lives are prioritized around, which is a pretty, when we think of the definition of it, why we could probably see it as a viewed in the negative light and a negative connotation of consumerism. So, do you have. I mean, can you tell us what,
1: where did Christmas, why would we even be having this conversation about Christmas becoming uh, just really a kind of a uh, disguise for consumerism? Has it always been that way?
0: Yeah, I think um, uh, I, we are not, we want to give ourselves a little bit of grace um, because we did not invent consumerism around Christmas in this late or early 21st century. Oh, interesting. So we're not to blame for it, even though we probably look around and say, you know, it's pretty funny because if Thanksgiving, then you have Black Friday, then you go into Christmas, right? So you want to talk about consumerism. That's that's a pretty good month for American consumerism where we're kind of chasing that obsession with, with um, acquiring things. But no, we did not invent it. We did not kind of jump on the commercialization bandwagon. That actually happened kind of maybe like in the early 1800s based on a little bit of research that we did. Our research team did. And, uh, there's, um, you know, back in the 1800s, some people have these conversations about what is, you know, is, is Christmas a pagan holiday and have we embraced a bunch of pagan holidays and stuff, but there's a long standing tradition of a couple, at least a couple hundred, 250 years of, of embracing and December being a month in which lots of christian celebrations are right. happening specific to the birth of christ and so um, there were lots of holidays and celebrating and there were really primarily public celebrations and gatherings uh, not necessarily what we would view as normal today and that most of our stuff is private so they would be in like the village square or in the marketplace right yeah so exactly you're going out and you're i mean you might see this in like little little snippets of like European people go to visit European little towns and cities and they have like these markets and everyone's doing Christmassy type things in the public square and they're doing things together. And then kind of early 1800s, we kind of start seeing a little shift to the privatization and the personalizing of Christmas uh, and moving away from that public gathering. And what that does is, it creates a desire to celebrate and that celebration is kind of pushed um or is kind of centered on not only gathering and doing things with your family but also giving of gifts and we Mm. see that there's no explicit thing saying hey this is the day that giving gifts started but we can we can look back and historians can look back and they can look at advertisements what's going on in terms of newspapers and advertisements and there's some more personalized gift giving advertisements that come around in the early to mid 1800s and um And so, and there's a bit of a turn to the idea of luxury items. Ooh. Uh, Yeah. Fancy. So everyone was getting a Louis Vuitton bag (laughs) back in the mid 1800s. Um, I don't think Louis. Anyways. Um, But these are essentially non non essentials. Right. Okay. So you're getting a whole bunch of things that are you know, this is where like the commercialization and the consumerism comes in where it's you're starting to see this growth of stuff that you don't wouldn't put in the quote unquote need category. And it's a luxury item. And then you go on and there's like this is kind of also the rise of milestone, what they would call a milestone gift, which is something like an engagement ring or something where, where if you're going to get engaged around Christmas or something, you're going to go buy. You get a good deal like retailers kind of jump on this idea of, hey, we're giving gifts and it's a personalized um, a gift. And so we're going to give you a whole bunch of sales mm. and you can get a two for one deal and stuff. But milestone gifts, engagement rings. um, and then a pretty interesting thing that we found in our research was giving a personalized Bibles. I guess a big market emerged for personalized yeah, Bibles. And
1: didn't we, did we discover that it was replacing family Bibles? So yeah. it used to, you know, your family would have a family Bible and then a part of this gift giving, um, movement was to pr- personalize those. And now everybody gets their very personal uh, version of the Bible. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Did you have a family Bible in your home growing up? But, um, um, no, no. Yeah. My wife's family had a family Bible, yeah. um, I remember it very well. And indeed it is prominent on the coffee table and it
0: and it took up a lot of space. Right. Yeah, they're big. They're they they have like the family tree in them. Yeah. And it's like you could pass it down from generation. Not uh, very useful. Not necessarily the most practical gift. You're probably <laughs> not even allowed to touch it. Um but but that personalized Bible market kind of expanded and that was some of the gifts that were given to individuals uh, okay. at Christmas. So So this
1: Privatization of gift giving happens and we see what's driving it is advertising for gift giving. Um, the uh, retail space commercializing uh, the giving of luxury items, non-essentials, and then the rise of very milestone-oriented gifts. So it sounds like you're saying that in the early to mid-1800s there was a cultural shift that focused less on community celebration, yeah. community memorization. Um, Memor, uh not memorabilia but commence um commencement right is that a is that like an honoring yeah um yeah. commemorating sure yeah, yeah. And, and more of a, a making christmas much more personal behind your own closed doors less community more privatization
0: right yeah, yeah. and i think that's probably we can see the evidence of that now is most of our sunday or uh, Christmas mornings are spent with our family. Right. And we're not generally inviting friends and stuff. It's a very personal thing where people. No, it's not it. always been that way. No, yeah. So it's cool. it's been a kind of a public idea. So, and then, so then eventually the question then becomes, well, okay, well, where are we going to put these presents if we're going to give them I away? I mean, I would say this is just a knee jerk reaction off the top of my head under a tree. Under, let's take a tree from outside <laughs> and put it inside and then we'll <laughs> put the tree. Anyway, yeah. off so, yeah. yeah. the top of my head. It's probably I a mean, stupid idea. No, I mean, is <laughs> <laughs> that a stupid idea? Yeah. I mean, it's. Um, <laughs> I just thought of that. Yeah if you watch the uh, any of the Frozen stuff like my kids do but Olaf makes a joke he's like oh you cut down a tree you kill a tree and decorate its dead corpse and it's so uh, (laughs) Olaf he's so wise yeah I know he's such a wise he loves summer I hate Frozen um and so we'll edit that out yes exactly and so obviously you have somewhere to put them and then you got to have someone to bring them oh and so santa claus enters uh, interesting obviously and man breaking and entering so right um and also of course uh, i think we we
1: talked about this in our last episode uh that we're around christmas where the santa claus idea i think is sanctified and actually inspired by saint nicholas sure, and i yeah. think there was a cultural recognition that saint nicholas was a gift giver giving to charity and i think um that made total sense that if there's a, a community-wide privatization of gift-giving, that St. That Nicholas, the good religious folks, would be inspired by the way that St. Nick yep. would give to the nonprofits, right? Yep, exactly.
0: Charity, I should yep. say. Yep, and so if you haven't listened to our episode on Should Christians tell their kids about santa claus Ooh. go and listen to that we are actually constantly surprised at how that continues to climb <laughs> the the ranks of our most listened to episodes even throughout the year so it is fascinating you know, so you haven't listened to that go it's for specifically on santa claus so so then here we go so here we are we we let we end up in those are kind of the origins of kind of where of where presents and, and trees and santa claus came from and then now bada bing bada boom 2022 yep. we are um Giving and receiving a lot of gifts and spending a lot of money on our Christmas holiday traditions.
1: Yeah, and I'm not sure what age we all decided that we didn't need any more gifts, but man it 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 seemed to it seems so obvious to people that I talk to when they talk about you know you think about when you're growing up and you're trying to think of what to give your parents. Right. I mean, at, at an early na- at an early early age, I think a lot of us. I'll speak for myself. Discovered Disappointingly Discovered I don't even know What to get my parents Yeah They literally have Everything they need Yep So then you know, we kind of turn towards making stuff in school. Yeah, they yeah. not And these aren't things that they need. These are these aren't even things they want, or they or they can't even use. There's, exactly. Just, it doesn't, it doesn't they don't check need any it. of the boxes. They they don't want it, and they definitely couldn't That's use right it. Right. I, it. I still remember these ashtrays I'd bring home. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess
0: they think that you're just smoking while watching the Cowboys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mom, Dad, here's the here's an ashtray yeah. for something you don't do. Yep. Uh, and and so then
0: funny. you look at your wife, you're like, what? Did you oversee any of this gift yeah, giving and do right. you, why don't you love me? Um, so yeah, so then now here we are. So now, so I think it's probably good to say, okay, well now that we're here, we we you know we take a little bit of pressure off ourselves and we don't beat ourselves too much up that we didn't invent the commercialization of of the holidays and of Christian. But we are certainly we supersized it. It. yes we so
1: yeah we, we definitely supersized, supersized it. it so it's like con, uh, commercialization on steroids right with our mm-hmm. modern culture and communication yes. and markets and retailing and so on
0: yep and so uh the point of this is not to make you feel bad for spending money but it is to kind of build some context around the idea of consumerism killing uh christmas and overtaking mm-hmm. uh the celebration of the arrival of jesus the primary source of our joy and so uh here's some statistics uh that you can kind of see if you're interested to see what what it actually looks like how much we actually spend so c- according to the national retail federation americans will spend 730 billion dollars this year during the holiday season wow wow it, it's a that's a lot that's a billion dollars what um, was the number of billions that could solve world hunger were they I know that I know that everybody was giving Elon Musk a whole bunch of grief over spending forty five billion dollars on Twitter when it's right. like something like six billion dollars can I thought overcome it was. overcome world hunger. So so we spend seven hundred and thirty billion dollars on the holiday <laughs> season. So on eggnog. On eggnog, yes. Oh, we should do that, personal uh, that, we'll We do should that. do a whole episode on eggnog, yes. if you <laughs> ask me. That's right. Um, and then of that $730 billion, $243 billion on gifts, which I thought was actually surprisingly low. Yeah. That's like one third of the number I was agree. on gifts.
1: What else are we spending it on then, other than
0: eggnog? Honestly, if that's less than half, which that's a lot less than half. Maybe travel and all sorts of things, I oh. suppose, yeah. Maybe. Okay. I guess I probably should have done more research. Where's our research team? You're fired. It's the intern. The intern. Um, And they said that um, consumers... Will spend on average of, and this is again. I thought this was number was low. So did I. A thousand dollars, nine hundred ninety-seven dollars and seventy-three cents on gifts. That sounds low. And other holiday
1: items as well. I mean, you, uh, let's put it in perspective for for us. I mean, for for me to understand
0: this, I spend a thousand dollars on myself at Christmas. I know exactly. Yeah. I mean, come on. I think it is something like seventy <laughs> percent of people buy themselves a Christmas gift. Yeah. So. Um, so you are one of the it's masses. Pathetic. I hope you're happy. Pathetic. That's right. Um, and of course I'm joking. Of course. But so $1,000 on gifts and other holiday items. Wow. And so just to put that, well, to put it in the context, the medium weekly salary in the United States is $1,000 before taxes. Oh, wow. So a quarter of your month's wages is going to celebrating the holidays. Right. Um, and... Americans spent an average of t- just like $230 on non-holiday mm-hmm. gift purchases such as decorations. Which
1: I mean, I mean it does not seem like that much. I mean, think of this, Americans spend an average of 227 right on non-holiday gift purchases. I think it's fair to say that a lot of us spend
0: $230 on specialty coffee yeah. at the drive thru I mean, you can, you can't buy a christmas tree for less than 100. Right. I don't even know. But if it's a fake one, 100 bucks, hundreds yeah, and hundreds, yeah. And yeah, hundreds, yeah. yeah. yeah so again this is what they're telling us but um so maybe we're not as consumeristic as we thought this is tremendous news yes and there's liberty to say where you heard it here first um but um the motley fool found that twenty-one and a half percent of respondents went into debt over their christmas spending okay so one what, in five. Does it, what does that tell you what
1: does that tell you 20
0: percent of people
1: who answered the survey said that their christmas they went into debt to make it happen. Yeah, and that's just the people who are willing to say it, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, I'm interested in where these numbers come from, right? Just think about a
0: typical Black Friday scene, right? Yeah, I mean, it's wild. Now there's this. And we found this interesting, obscure little theory that I thought it would be fun to tell you about, but uh, it will make you feel terrible about your gift giving, um, as we give gift as we're spending lots of amount of money on buying gifts. There is a Yale economist named Joel Waldfogel, so you know he's smart, Um, he has a theory called the deadweight loss of Christmas. Now, his whole theory is that we, even in this consumerism, even in our charity of giving great gifts, we're actually wasting a significant amount of money because we are, there's a total, because we generally speaking, do you want to give a gift to someone that they like or they don't like? Let me ask you that. Oh, a gift that yeah. they like or don't like why yeah. would
1: i ever give a gift that they don't like
0: exactly you want to give them a gift that they yeah. want and they yeah. like right yeah the, Ish. yes the problem is the problem is that this theorist makes the argument that it is impossible to match the exact preferences of that person yeah true True. Um, that's also part of the stress of gift giving, yes right? exactly good, gracious especially when you're doing like extended family and stuff right. you're like okay they're gonna do i have to keep this right. or i gotta give it back or how are they gonna respond Anyways. right or if my own kids don't re- come to realize i don't know what size they are right <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're like uh <laughs> um and then but he says you because of that mismatch you're going to see there's a 30 percent reduction in the value of a retail gift because you can't perfectly match it with what that person wants he's trying to quantify that the mismatch okay and so he says because they've because uh, the number before was two hundred forty three billion dollars are spent on gifts. He says if you were to put that thirty percent in the practice, Americans waste seventy three billion dollars a year because they're giving gifts that don't match what the person wants. Interesting. And uh, he says that seventy. The research says that seventy seven percent of the people plan to return Ooh. some of their gifts every oh, year. Oh man. So that's a lot. That's like it eight is. out of 10 people.
1: Poor Amazon. Can you imagine that? Return. All oh, those poor, yep. The that, lines, of course. Yes. Uh, wow, so 77% yep. return that, some yep. of their gifts.
0: And 20%, one in five, plan to return more than half of oh, their gifts. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And that's based on 16,000 people.
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, Who answered
0: this uh, CNBC report. So all to say is he has this strong evidence that there's a significant uh, amount of mismatch in holiday gift giving, which imposes a huge cost on the gift recipient in terms of time spent returning and replacing their poorly chosen gifts. I mean, amen.
1: Amen. Amen. isn't that one of the worst parts of after Christmas that, that those few days after Christmas yeah. is just trying to think and plot and plan getting back to wherever yeah. it came yeah.
0: from and get in those lines to yeah. return things and, and we have I mean we have a three and a half year old in the morning I mean like we have family who are giving us gifts yeah. for them and it's like oh it's a, it's the wrong size or right. you know we don't want them banging on a drum for 45 minutes every hour <laughs> you know, so but anyways the, the whole point being it's not really about the thought that counts right it's <laughs> yeah that's the it's thing the right actual gift.
1: that's the thing right he's quantifying the he's basically disqualifying the notion that the thought is what counts. Right? What he's saying is that there's an actual financial toll that is pretty exorbitant uh, on on not getting a perfect
0: right. gift and or he's, giving yeah, a perfect gift. Yep. And he's saying that the money the the mismatch is actually ca- causing us money and it's causing us the, <laughs> to lose the one finite resource we have, which is our time. <laughs> so. I so, mean, he's not wrong. No. I mean, this is apparently That's, what Yale professors get paid to study. Right, right. But. Listen, it,
1: it is magical what Amazon has come up with when you get a gift from Amazon, right, and you can take it unwrapped with a, with a QR code. You can take it to the uh, one of the drop spots, right, yeah. for UPS, and that they scan your code, and you hand them the gift unwrapped yeah. and everything, and then they yeah. literally do everything to get it sent back. And yeah. then I noticed that just like... It, it, in some cases, it's been minutes later that I get a right. notification from Amazon that I my, dropped my, my wife refund there. to do
0: it. She walks in the UPS, I'm sitting there. Before she comes out, I get a little email, it's like, ding, you're, it's been accepted. I'm like, what Oh the? my
1: <laughs> so, goodness, that's pretty fantastic.
0: Yes. So again, so now, this is the question I think we probably have to answer is, if this is what consumerism is around Christmas and stuff, the question is, consumerism, is it really all that bad? Because there huh. are some difference of opinions on, is consumerism that bad? Really? There are good... I mean, there are two sides of this argument or spectrum of says, well, what are the difference of opinions on the... On, yeah,
1: that is know. counterintuitive. I would not know off the top of my head. I certainly wouldn't predict or guess that there was a flip side, you know, and I would not... I would think that uh, right out of hand regular folks would think consumerism especially in the christian community that consumerism is is bad sure for for us and bad
0: for our country but bad for our kids even but not so well there's some people there's a couple things that people say that consumerism contributes to that we kind of maybe take for granted the first is that consumerism helps advance the economy and provide jobs it gives people, yep. people gainful employment because if, if there's no demand, there's no supply necessary and people don't need to be paid to meet that demand. Well,
1: that's going to hit home in my house this this season because my son has a retail job at a store that will be participating in Black Friday, mm-hmm. Thursday night. Yeah. So um, God so bless th- him. That'll, that'll, so he'll be making a little money off of Black right, Friday. Exactly. rush. He yeah. would,
0: we wouldn't have a job if you yep. um, now the quality of those jobs is to be debated, but so that's number one. Number two is that there are advances in technology that ev- elevate everyone's lives based on uh, hmm. consumerism. So you can just think of things like uh, the Ring doorbell. Yeah, the Ring doorbell. You can enhance security mm-hmm. and uh, convenience. You have stuff like an iPhone that um, you can use for productivity. You can use it for work. You yeah. can use it for family. You can Facetime people that you wouldn't have. You would have to send letters to. Um, you can do all sorts of things. Um, and then on the, you know, just the, the, the generic en- I and mean, enhancing everyone's lives is kind of, or an elevating life is, is a subjective term, but you know, you get to watch a 60 inch television for 500 bucks that would have cost $45,000 yeah. 10 years ago because right. there's well, people sure. who there's a demand for it. And so, so consumerism—the thought is that consumerism drove all those conveniences or all those advances. The free, yeah, the market—you know—the yeah. adba- the, the, the demand for that market right. builds that And then the third one is that um, is that if if time is our only finite resource, you can exchange money for for goods and services that actually provide you more time. Mm-hmm. So I didn't—I mean I'm not a kitchen. More time per- to waste? Yes, more time to waste. So if you go on Amazon, there's a whole section of ways to, um, you know, like hack your life and life hack and doing all sorts of wonderful things that save you time and money and effort. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when I, I'm not like a carpenter or a mechanic or anything, but when I discover walk through Lowe's and you're like, Holy cow, they designed something that did this that makes this so easy. Oh, for sure. Um, it gives you more time. So. That is a couple of people who say, oh, there you go. We take for granted consumerism. We're on the inside of it. We're on the other side of it, experiencing all the benefits of it. And then we mm. just throw stones at it. But then there's also a opposite side. There's people who say, well, let's not embrace consumerism. Let's re- replace consumerism because consumerism is a plague on America and right. it is destroying the very fabric of our being. Mm. And they would say um, there's a, the reason, the thing that needs to be purged is that consumerism needs to be purged from our mind, but that it's such a powerful force that it can't really, you can't really um, um, logically try to convince someone that consumerism is wrong. You have to really kind of radically reprogram the way Americans think, specifically around Christmas as well. And you do that by uh, introducing government regulation to oh boy. Uh, yes so the government really? is here to help and uh they're so going they're to, saying let's replace consumerism with regulation yes right? so we need to regulate it oh out boy. of existence and that then when they say this the normative values of a culture matter but regulate regulation is needed when culture fails oh. but it cannot alone serve as a mainstay of good conduct. So what they're saying is consumerism is so deeply embedded in everything that we're doing that culture is normally fixes itself but when it can't fix itself you have to have this um benevolent um oh, government boy. that oh, wow. shows up and people who know better to show up and to tell you how to actually think the government is so much wiser than us aren't yes yes exactly and um the, really the goal is um transforming people's minds and the normative culture through wow. regulation so and this was written by a professor of international relations at george washington university so uh, so there you go. So there's some people who say consumerism is good. Some people say consumerism is the plague and needs to be uh, forcibly. It's so bad that we need to kind of forcibly regulate people and so that their worldview is, is transformed for Wow, them. wow.
1: And so, yeah. I wouldn't have predicted that either, that someone no, thought I, that the solution was
0: government regulation to regulate consumerism out of our hearts. Yeah, I would wow. not have. Uh, I also would not have thought about that as, uh, as we as the research team did their their good work here. <laughs> um, and so ultimately the question is, well, why does any of this really matter to Christians? Well, it matters because obviously if consumerism has killed Christmas, we are A, not demonstrating any level of difference right. in, from the people around us in yep. that we are placing the joy of our lives and the, the pursuit of our lives around the acquiring of things, as opposed to the recognition of um, of the arrival of God in the flesh. Right. And, um, Which is described, of course, in this context in the New Testament, is described as the riches of Christ, right? right? Yes. Yeah. So instead of uh, angels saying, behold, there's a, you know, a king is born, um, right. we say, behold, a 75-inch TV and right, a whole right. bunch of under other wonderful things to make your life right. happy. And right, and I'll, and I'll structure
1: and organize my life uh, around getting those things and that's right, yeah. attaining
0: and acquiring those things. Right? Right. If my whole year, my whole budgeting plan is how can I provide and pay for all of the gifts that I want to give people and all the celebrations and stuff that I want to go through, then that's probably, a, you know, it's, it's good to plan, but it can go over the top. So. Exactly. So that's kind of where we are. Yeah. Um, and that's, Now you that, tell us how to fix it. Well, yeah. I mean, just to
1: kind of uh, provide a reference point here, the name of the podcast we're doing here is Salted and this is really the idea behind why we did this which is that our our worldview as christians must be unique to the rest of the uh, sojourners on the earth right if you belong to god you have uh, you're joined to jesus Uh, you begin to grow in understanding the world from god's point of view your eyes see things different so do we see christmas different do we see consumerism different and in order to salt the earth, which is to add flavor and bring something that the earth doesn't have without Christians, we would have to see from a different perspective. Mm. So what I'm hoping to do is to kind of look at the perspective of a Christian as God kind of reveals in the scripture, what, what is how does he look at things like this? Um, and, and maybe answer the question, is Christmas really just a sanctified materialism? Is this, are the Christians also being sucked into materialism and then we just call it Christmas or we kind of feel good about it because it's Christ's birth, you know, right. season. So, yeah. um, in the confluence of the two, you know, has Chris Christmas exposed the materialism of Christians? Um, or, or even the idea that it's possible that cultural Christmas traditions expose our Christian materialism, right? Yeah, sure. Um, Some of our, and I think the answer to those questions is that Christians, Christmas traditions don't have to become Christian materialism if it doesn't spoil or ruin my kids. If if my Christmas consumerism isn't spoiling my kids, ruining my kids' disposition uh, or their view of the world, um, right? Somehow we can't let our kids kind of come up with this idea. Uh, when when we say to them, uh, you know they they want a Christmas list, and we find ourselves as parents saying, "Look, I don't really need anything, but buy me this." Right. Yeah. Right. So, um, also, cultural Christmas traditions. Our Christmas traditions don't have to uh, exp- don't have to become materialism, if christmas materialism doesn't replace being rich in good works if it doesn't undermine my own individual contentment and the contentment of my own kids so salty christians need to see eyes that uh, need to see with eyes that are clear right we need eyes that see our culture and our spending and our materialistic ambitions with clarity. Mm, yeah. um, now, the hard part is um, this: this is the hard part is that materialism. Jesus says that he's got this. Um, he's got this teaching on wealth and and money and treasures. And in his teaching, he in the middle of his teaching on money, own he teaches on. He talks about how our eyes are dark, and if our eyes are dark, I mean how how deep is that darkness that you're in if your eyes can't see, mm. right? It's one thing to be able to see and then be in a dim lit room. But if your eyes are what's dark, you don't see anything. Mm. And he's, he actually has that in the context of teaching on the treasures of our heart. And what he's saying here is he's saying that the, the drive, the desire for things, materialism, wealth, and earthly treasure is one of the only things one of the only areas where we sin, where we're blind to that sin, hmm. right? So Jesus teaches on the Sermon on the Mount so many other types of sins, and there's seven deadly sins, and none of those other sins does he say watch out for, right? He doesn't say watch out for adultery, right? It's not like adultery just surprises you. <laughs> right, it just yeah. kind of sneaks up on you, you and all of a sudden you, like, you discover it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, uh, it's he says watch out for greed. He mm. says that... Our eyes are darkened to our own greed, and it's and it's very true. If you think about this, uh, I know I heard Tim Keller one time say, nobody, no one has ever pulled out their receipts and their bank statements and turned to someone they trusted and say, would you look over this? Am I spending too much? Right Right. there is there's not a propensity to be uh, even concerned about. Uh, our own greed, we're concerned about other people's greeds, but greed, but we tend to be blind to our own. So that's what makes this topic difficult, is our own greed is something that we're typically very, very blind to, and Jesus said so. Right.
0: And it masks itself in a lot of different ways around the holidays. Is, exactly. I want to create memories, I love my kids, right. I want to do all sorts of things, and it's very easy to just let that so, forget about the underpinnings. So, so okay. true,
1: so true. And the, and the real solution is finding ways to continue to do those things without being basically... Um, swept downstream in materialism right. and yep. consumerism. So um, some of our some of the main teaching that we're going to find in this that's going to help kind of uh, clarify our worldview is 1 Timothy chapter 6. And Paul's writing to Timothy, and he's telling Timothy, Timothy, you have to teach your rich Christians some things. And you also have to teach your poor Christians some things. And basically what he says in two separate paragraphs is he says, you need to challenge the Christians in the church who are poor to be content. And you need to challenge the Christians in your congregation who are rich to be careful, to be very, very careful of pride, right, looking down on people who aren't wealthy like you are, and also warn them about trusting in their own riches, in their own wealth, uh, which is so unreliable. So those are two main messages that he, um, that he gives there and he goes on to talk. I mean, this is so vivid, Yonah, It's it's really fascinating. If you read First Timothy chapter six, you can start in verse six. It's so fascinating. But here's some of the things that that we're, we we learn in Scripture. This is the way that God looks at it, and He says, "Craving more money and material wealth beyond essential needs will essentially destroy your life. Your life can be destroyed by being discontented." With the essential things that you need—food, shelter, clothing—your desire for more than that will cause you to be trapped and snared, fall into temptation, uh, and then he talks about r- your life being ruined and destroyed. Listen to the words that are being used in this passage: fall into temptation, trapped, foolish, plunged into ruin, destruction, wandering from your faith, and pierced with many sorrows. I mean, a, oh, I mean, that
0: just—I mean. Why don't you tell us how you it's really mild, theology. right? It's mild, right? <laughs> Come on, Bob. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so, But those are strong words, and all those words—get this—all those words are surrounding the desire to become richer or to have more things. Hmm. That's fascinating, right? right? It's not like it's—it's it's not like he's saying if you have all these things, your life is ruined. He said it's the desire for them, the craving for right. more stuff.
0: Which is interesting because we talked about the definition of a consumer being the obsession for acquisition, exactly, and. In, we, we, yeah, your life we, around yeah. and we look at that in the American context, right? We're like, oh well, well, I'm not doing it compared to this other person who's like, well, then Paul says this. You're like, wait a minute, yeah, well, totally. It's just beyond the essential needs. Am I obsessed with that? Right.
1: So, <laughs> yeah. Have I taken another job to pay for stuff that we don't right. need? Sure. You know, stuff yep. that we that is beyond the essentials. So um, there's another phrase too in this in this passage here that's worth mentioning too. And he says it's the love of money that will lead to all kinds of evil. And I don't, is there anywhere where it's more vivid, yon, know, this truth in the scripture than TV crime documentaries? I love documentaries. I particularly like crime documentaries. And every time there is some wacko, bizarro spouse murdering a spouse and you're thinking, what could possibly drive someone to do something so horrific to their spouse or their mm, family? Right. And, you know, what, I mean, almost always it's the same motive. It's life insurance policy. It is some of the wealth that they had that they want. I mean, um, again, even on a, on a granular scale, one of the major issues that's happening in our country now is the kind of like street level crime where criminals are waiting at ATM machines for people. Did we mention this in one of our episodes recently? I think I may have. But they're they're waiting near atm machines for somebody to go up an older person go up right. and withdraw money and then literally beating up old people taking their their yeah. withdrawal and you think what would drive somebody to do that right? right it's the love of money drives people to do all kinds of you now i recognize we have an audience listening here who is probably not robbing people at atm machines well p- probably We're pretty p- pretty shady crowd, here pretty shady yes. crowd. And, and obviously, we know that these people that if you're listening, we know that the regular uh, audience and uh, are not murdering people for life insurance. Um, but there is ways there are ways that are less obvious that the love of money is leading us into all kinds of evil. And certainly. We can recognize phrases like "it's leading us to fall into temptation, to be trapped, to do foolish things, to be plunged into ruin, go into debt, right? To yeah. uh, cheat on our yeah. on our um, uh, finances, whether it's reporting or the way that we're coming up with with income, and 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 so we recognize Christians aren't. Um, murdering their spouses for life insurance money. But what if we're destroying our lives with the endless pursuit of stuff, of more yeah. money, more wealth? Yeah. And what if our children are learning from us that even if you have what you need, it's never going to be enough? What if our kids are learning in our homes that what you have is not enough right. and it'll never be enough? Yeah. And that's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that if you are a Christian who was not rich, your greatest wealth is contentment. Yeah. That's fascinating, right? Yeah. That means that if you're content, you'll always be wealthy. Right. And it also means that if you're not it also means if you're not rich, you can always
0: be wealthy. You right. can still be wealthy without being rich and that is yeah, to yeah. learn to be content in any circumstances. Yeah. And the idea of being countercultural in this world is right that it's oh. not a high bar. It is just be content with so what you have yep. and start a family and you know, it's not right it's you don't have to do anything, there's no radical, the radical Christianity is no longer. It's not that radical. It's not that radical. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, essentially what he says is, if you have the
1: essentials, right, God provides what you need, food, shelter, uh, I added shelter, but food, clothing, and I'll add shelter, food, shelter, and clothing. If you have that, you have enough to start being generous. Mm -hmm. You have enough to start giving away things, to be ready to provide what someone needs at any moment, to be rich in good works, so your generosity is learned after and is expressed after you have the, the essentials that you basically need. And then, I mean, Jesus has this great teaching where he's like, think of the flowers of the field, right? right yep. They look beautiful in what they're adorned with. God has provided for them. Yep. They look beautiful and they don't work a day in their lives to earn yep. any income. And then think of the, um, uh, he, he talks about how he feeds the birds and he, everything they need, uh, they get that's 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 delivered. And, and and this year, my family, more than ever, I think my, my, my two oldest daughters are, are well into adulthood now, Yon, and and uh, we started to ask. Some, we're all starting to ask some very reasonable, <laughs> important, urgent questions, and and here around Christmas we're scrambling again, right? And it's gotten to the point where I I've already started buying stuff for myself every year, every season, and setting is setting it aside as right. a potential Christmas gift idea for one of my kids or right. one or my wife to give me. So I buy the gift. Well, you're doing them a favor. You're being that's charitable. That's what I think. mean, their time. That's what I'm aiming for is like, hey, if you don't know what to get me, surprise, I have a stack of things I already bought. I wouldn't buy them for myself, but if you want to gift me those things, yep. right, I don't need them, but I had to come, the, there's got to be something, yeah. Yeah. right? I so, mean, yeah,
0: that's how I view Christmas gifts. I'm like, <laughs> I don't, it's the stuff I don't need. Like, I know. It's that luxury. Give me well, exactly just an excuse. Something so. I would not buy for myself. Correct.
1: And and then so now as a family, we're having this conversation. Well, what do we do with Christmas season if we don't want to just buy some more stuff for each other? And so we're having like these in-depth, what? ongoing conversations like what are we going to do if we're not just buying stuff that we don't need? Or if we're not going to actually take the step of buying stuff that we don't need, what are we going to do? Who are we going to give gifts to? Cancel Christmas. How do we? Yeah, exactly. So how do we redeem the American secular Christmas? I want to mention three ways. Uh, there's a hundred ways to do this, right? This is just three, and these aren't necessarily the best ways or the only ways, but they're they're three practical ways. One of them I don't, I'm not even going to explain, but it, it basically starts with what we've already started to say, which is use American secular Christmas to forge and model and to practice your own contentment. I think that's where we start, right? Yeah, We use this Christmas season to say... To start to forge in my own heart, I'm content. I don't need anything else. And then yeah. to model that to our uh, people that we're around, uh, our own kids, our our um our closest friends and family, uh, the the level of contentment we express, I think can can only be helpful for the people who are around yeah. us. Yep. Yeah. Number two, leverage the American secular Christmas as a tool for learning. Right. Uh, and as a tool for expanding and practicing our generosity. So why not use this as an opportunity to learn to give and learn to do what what your professor there did in their research, which is to try to do better matching of the gift as an expression of love and affection, to say this gift isn't going to be generic, this gift is going to be specific, and I'm going to be generous, and I'm going to learn to give something to express my love to you. You may not need it, but it's going to be... Uh, let's say it's going to be small, but it's going to be personal, mm. and it's going to express something. And And in so doing, I'm learning to give. Um, you know what that requires, though? It would require you to be more alert to the needs of your family, more alert to the needs of your uh, spouse, more alert to the needs of your
0: coworkers, yeah. classmates, <laughs> teammates, right? <laughs> Nothing exposes your own selfishness when uh, you're like, you go to buy a gift, you're like, I don't mean, know anything about what them. Do they know? What do they exactly, want <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly? So
1: this is an opportunity to learn to give, to be alert to the needs of our friends, family. Uh, also, we could learn to sacrifice something that I take our kids for example. What if our kids sacrificing something they want in order to provide something that someone else needs? Right? You don't you don't need that, right? You don't yeah. you want that, but what if you sacrifice what you want? to help provide what someone else needs, right? right? Um, a meal at the rescue mission, uh, some of the new hope work that's being done with with um, women in crisis, um, men and women in crisis. Or how about this? How about a December 26 gift swap and giveaway? My wife did this for a while when my, my kids were were little. She kind of uh, spearheaded this, and of course I was cheering her on, where she would have the kids take the new gifts that they had received and go down in the gift storage area, right, right the toy storage area. Because they never
0: play with their gifts. They're just
1: stowed away. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then you you have to take whatever new gift you have, you have to put it on shelf space that an old gift is in, and so you'd have to swap it out. You'd have to replace replace it and then give away... Uh, the gift that you're the toy or the or the thing that you're replacing you give it away you're just not acquiring right right? reducing that obsession for acquisition right right so you're just rotating old stuff out with the new and then of course if you're really spiritual you're like why not just give those
0: kids the new one exactly why why give them your craps yep and then you say when (laughs) they they cry about it you're like oh (laughs) sorry this is your sinful little heart you're learning you're welcome we're we're teaching you (laughs) exactly you know you're a parent yeah you know how easy it is it just happens to be
1: everything we right. tell her she can't have and then of course there's limitless causes and charity
0: gift giving initiatives now that you yeah. know and if you're like george costanza if anyone seinfeld fans you can give gifts away fill me in your the gift he gave away to, to all his co-workers <laughs> was a card that says we have made a, a donation to the children's fund in your honor oh when God. in fact he did not make a gift and oh he had God. to keep lying about it um, anyways sorry Lying is funny. No one, know, no one knows who George Costanza is anymore because no. we're too old. Exactly. So the first one was use it
1: to forge and model your own contentment. The other one is use American Secular Christmas to leverage uh, um, leverage it as a tool for learning, expanding, and practicing your generosity. And then number three, uh, let it force you to focus the kids on God's mm. gift. Now, this is really upstream teaching, right? Right. To and this is what we did in our last episode on Christmas was the 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 real the virtues the way to leverage the Saint Nicholas story. Right, yeah. and, but really, if you're going to if you're going to teach your own kids and your own young family about God's gift and to really centralize the gift of Jesus to the to the world uh, during the Christmas season, you really are going to have to swim upstream against Santa and gifts and elves and Christmas spirit and and so on, right? Yep. Um so teaching anything different is difficult, but here in this heavily consumeristic culture it really is swimming upstream. But again, I mentioned this as an idea to focus in on Saint Nicholas with the kids. So when they think of Christmas, they don't necessarily think of only Santa Claus. They can also articulate who Saint Nick is and, mm-hmm. and, and what the um what the merits and virtues and, and really the reproducible character of St. Nicholas and also Um, You know, in our family, it worked to use the Christmas season to celebrate Advent, which means the arrival of the Christ child. So every Sunday night, we get around the Christmas, the Advent wreath, and we we remind ourselves and refocus. And sometimes it's not easy. The kids are little or they're a little bit older and they're not quite engaged. Mm But, you know, to just work at something that isn't easy and remember when we're doing this we're swimming upstream right right yeah. it's easy to get the kids in front of a christmas special about all of the um, christmas nuances right, yeah, and so yeah. on but it's very difficult to to do the hard thing of maybe using every sunday night It ends up being about four sunday nights really it's uh, or christmas eve uh, christmas morning and then there's also the, the three sundays leading up to it too and also of course uh, you know it, it makes sense for us to 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 advocate for the full immersion of the Christian community in the Christian church, their own local church family and a Christmas Eve candlelight service and all the other things that just help us really um, immerse ourselves in the, the teaching and the envisioning and the convictions that go along with redeeming Christmas and making sure that we're swimming upstream against the overwhelming, uh, overwhelming consumerism. So I do think it's possible to leverage or to redeem the American secular Christmas culture. Yeah. Which ironic, this...
0: yeah, ironically, that last piece, the guy who who advocated for the regulating of consumerism out of existence, he actually says that the, the goal is then to reprogram and re, replace it with two things. Uh, communitarianism, which is your more uh, community auspe- yeah. aspect to it, and then also trans, transcendentalism, which is uh-huh. you add some, you know, some religious kind of practices. So he, literally the solution that this guy identified, you have just said, if you engage Gauge a local church around yeah. the the full spiritual immersion. elements of full immersion of it. Then it's like there you've the thing that the non-Christian guy has identified as the solution to consumerism is already built into the Christian yeah. c- Christian. Uh, and theology. I would advocate yeah. if you do that well, no regulation
1: needed. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, those are the three things. Um, use it to forge and model your own contentment. Leverage it as a tool for learning, expanding, and practicing your generosity teach the kids, and uh, force it to focus the kids on God's gift uh, with some upstream teaching. And um, again, those are basic, I think, Um, certainly not um, profound by any stretch, but
0: they're ways of just continuing to paddle upstream, I think. Right. And we just want to, again, salt the earth and be different and show our friends and family and the people in our circles of influence that Uh, Jesus is the top priority in your life, and everything else is secondary, and this is some ways to simply, well, not it's simple in in idea. It's difficult in practice. Uh, Yeah,
1: and and really what fuels the ability to do this is that you really do believe that the riches that you have in Jesus are satisfying and gratifying, and then you really don't need to get your hands on a lot of stuff, right, and to fill your lives with, or to organize your life around
0: acquiring more things. Yep. And I I got little kids, so I have to constantly remind myself, my kids really don't even, they they play with the box. Yeah. They don't play with the toy. They're right. like, I can buy them a box. And you I'll almost have to force happy. them to play with the toy. right? Yeah. And like, let me actually... show you how to do it. And you're yeah. like, no, it's too complicated. I just want to roll around on this ball or this box or jump right. on the couch. Swing so. the stick. Exactly. Let me just hit whatever <laughs> and we'll make a sound. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so now let's talk. We're going to do two personal preferences. Because, we are? Well, we're going to talk about eggnog for real quick oh, because oh, okay. we've also, our personal preference is directly related to um, advancing the cause of consumerism at Christmas, which is which way do you prefer your gifts? <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, you mean given, right? Given to you, yes. Not re- oh, received. No, so received. Oh my gosh. This is so materialistic. Do you want, Do you res- do you like... Cash or the equivalent just amount of money. Um, I would say cash, but I also mean like digital money. Right. Or or a gift card or Uh, an actual physical gift. Man. Well, I know that,
1: as always, I don't have a good, clear answer. And here's why. I know gift cards, first of all, getting anything to me. Is uh, very humbling I feel uh, Receiving something From someone Immediately makes right. me feel um, uh, uh, It's a It's something Beyond what you'd ever expect Right um, There's something Freeing about cash You can do what you want With it Digital cash I think Really is a transaction That is like a blink Of an eye transaction That you You know I don't know about yeah. you But a month later I'm like Where did I get that money right, In my yeah. account? I don't yep. know Who gave that to me uh, the gift card kind of restricts you into where you're going to spend it. Right. And, uh, for some reason, um, some, for some reason, I don't know why, but the general public believes I love Starbucks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, you talk about coffee and so people who are not really yep. coffee, uh, connoisseurs, they kind of put Starbucks as the top right. of the mountain and for, if they're a non-coffee if they're person, a non-coffee person. Right. Yes. So they're like, and this, I, someone just said this to
1: me a couple of Sundays ago, um, now you, now I know you like your coffee, right? Right, And I said, yeah, "Yeah, so you're a Starbucks person. Right. And I have to say, well, no. And the reason that I'm not a big Starbucks fan is because I'm a coffee person. Yeah. Right. So, and then you tried to describe the local roasters and so on, but anyway. Um, so I'm going to choose gift because, uh, I wouldn't buy that gift for myself. Uh, it is something hands on. Uh, I think typically gifts are given with you in mind, mm-hmm. and I think that it's it seems like a much more personal thing, uh, unless, unless the gift card, see the gift card, even the gift cards could be something that you would never buy for yourself, like I would never buy for myself a local roaster bag of beans, because mm-hmm. I can't sustain it. Right. Yeah. But they're great gifts because I wouldn't buy it for myself. Right, and yeah. 20 and bucks extru- for a couple str- cups of coffee. And, right. Yep. And it's extra- extraordinarily delicious. But yeah.
0: um, So I, I'm going to pick gift. What about you? Uh, yeah, I would pick gift. And I think um, probably primarily because if someone gives me money, I, again, I view my gifts as like luxury items, things I wouldn't buy myself. So the second that someone just gives me money, I then have to go buy it myself, and I can't justify yep. buying the stuff I want. I'm like, I really am going to spend money on this. Right. I literally have the money, even though I know it's so extra bonus money. It ends up being someone just gave you some savings. Exactly, my yeah. god, like, yeah. just spend this, whatever. <laughs> and then uh, gift cards. I don't like gift cards because I always end up bu- spending more. I'm like, I'm like, oh, it's a $100 Ooh. gift card, but I can, get this, yeah, I can get this $150 oh. thing. Look at that. It's like a seven, it's a 66% discount right. I get on this, Ooh. which is not terrible no. thinking, but it ends up costing me money. Right.
1: Especially since you're buying something that because of the gift card you could buy, even though you would never spend it, That's you right. would never buy it. I would either. never be buying it. Yeah. Right. So I'm in a net deficit in my what? money. So I'm,
0: I'm both <laughs> feeling amazing. bad about it. So That's I've all, really analyzed this yeah. a lot, but if someone just, and I'm honestly, I'm just, too lazy i just don't care enough if someone gives me a gift i don't like i'm just like all right i'm just i'm not gonna return it i'm not gonna waste my time doing That's that amazing. stuff so put it in the closet Yep. Yeah. so um so there you go i it, give someone a real physical gift if you're gonna give someone a gift huh brilliant or the or one? don't because then you'll give yourself a 30 percent reduction in the <laughs> retail value based right. on our deficiency of christmas gifts so um oh and then eggnog do you like eggnog? I I really like it. and you know what I might
1: this might be I might like it too much. I really <laughs> like it. I love everything about it. Do you it. like
0: out of the carton or do you like yeah. make your
1: own or okay, Oh yeah. no. I mean yeah. I, I mean I'm content with just some regular run of the mill um dairy from some local dairy. Oh, yeah. uh, oh my gosh, but the reason why i'm kind of grown in the way i am is because <laughs> it is so calorie dense and yeah. so lactose if you're dense uncomfortable the...
0: listening to dan groan sorry I'm uncomfortable
1: sitting across <laughs> the table from him while he groans with his eggnog yeah me like you the eggnog yeah. but i don't drink very much of it i don't drink very much of yeah. it at all my wife uh, has these really really cool kind of crystallized holiday mugs or christmas season like the christmas um scene right and they're yeah. clear and And I have those are kind of for things like special uh, little cup of eggnog or whatever. But as I've gotten more alert and aware as to what eggnog is and what you're drinking and, you know, the density of it, and all that stuff, I literally don't touch those mugs anymore. I've got like a little measuring shot glass and I and I pour like, I don't know, an ounce. What? No, it's going to be more than an ounce an ounce oh. at a time oh literally hit eggnog during the season that's, like shot glasses that's,
0: that's, <laughs> and because i can't control Pastor myself dan is wild no right here. <laughs> He's just giving into the i
1: wouldn't be able to control my secular christmas <laughs>
0: traditions of shots at christmas uh, yeah i mean it's uh, called it's a, eggnog so i mean like i don't know what we thought was in it but i know something that's true and it's, also that
1: cream oh my gosh it just
0: destroys me oh you are lactose intolerant, oh yeah so. anyway. yeah <laughs> Well, there you have it. Um, everything you you want to know about Dan's intestinal tract. all there. Speaking of gifts, there you go. There is a gift that will keep on giving. You're welcome. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, tell your friends about it. Subscribe and rate us because that way we know how poorly or well we are doing. And thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Merry Christmas. Thanks so much for checking out the Salted Podcast. You can find other episodes and topics on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you click follow so you'll get notifications whenever new episodes come out. Thanks for listening.